Welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. Hello and welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Reagan, joined by John. How are we doing, John? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, a lot of things coming up this week, I think starting in the next few uh, days is the play-in tournament, and we've also got some interesting stuff surrounding the USFL's startup, controversial startup, I might say, uh, and some trades. And so let's get into all of that, starting with the USFL, just for fun. Uh, they're starting their games. Um, look like the first games are set for April 16th, is that right? Yeah, Sunday. But there's a hearing on April 18th, whether <laughs> or not they can even be in be using the USFL name or any of the team names. So that's interesting. I don't know what they're doing there, but... We'll have to see how that goes. Do you foresee them being able to keep the name or having to change everything? And if they have to change anything, like, I don't know if <laughs> it's going to really hurt their recognizability for potential fans. Well, I think what they're doing is smart to get started now uh, as opposed to waiting. Because what you're doing is you're gaining uh, momentum as far as your fan bases and, and creating uh, you know a network for each team. Of fans that are willing to come out and see their fans or see their team. So even if you have to change the team name, the core audience is still going to be there. The core players are going to still going to be there, and the core mascot will still be there, just maybe wearing different uh, outfit or whatever yeah. the case may be. So to start it up is really wise to not wait till the hearing because right now they haven't really been told you can't. Yeah, and they're backed by Fox, so I can't imagine they're going to just the outright thing. fail. Like, they're, they they they, they I mean, probably they have a backup plan of some sort of names, right? They have to because this is situation that they put themselves in this is it wasn't something that just came out of the blue uh they didn't purchase the rights to anything so that's yeah kind of against the law um but i don't think they're gonna be a bad situation because even if they have to switch they'll be fine they still got a lot of money backing them they still got a lot of fans backing them and they'll have a week of seeing if it even is worth going on with this after the first week is fully completed because you're gonna play the whole slate of games you're gonna see how the turnout is on uh for tv and for people going to the games how much tickets are you selling all that stuff is just gonna be worked out for them and you have like two days to figure it all out and then you'll have to do the hearing and the hearing will take some time. So maybe you have three or four days and then by the t- end of those three or four days, you have to, you can see the potential turnout and how much money Fox is going to get back for this and to see if it's even worth it because the XFL is also going to come back next season. Uh, I think it's what they decided in 2023, which was supposed to be 2022, but I saw I thought I saw a read an article that said it was going to launch next season. So yeah. um, they can fall back on that and that will still give you f- spring football. But I also think they've got to make a plan that says this is the other batch of team names. They fail. They can make it really fun for the fans of each group and say, here's the list of five names you guys decide and then build an audience that way. Like, look, I I helped name this team and that could bring some stuff as well. So they can make this really smart and still really fun. Uh, The only thing that's probably the biggest deal is trying to find a different name than the USFL. Um, apparently extreme football league works just fine. So you can create anything and you can just have the FL part and yeah. then just put any number yeah. or letter you want, like three and football league or anything you want. It's really just an option there because that's what all football leagues are doing now. It's the NFL, the XFL, the USFL. So just pick what you want to, to go in front of the FL part and you'll be just fine. So I think they're in a pretty position. I want to see a little bit of USFL football um, from the comfort of my couch this weekend, see how it all works out, see what this, what the quality of gameplay is because not all – I mean, spring leagues are created equal. Certain teams are better than others. We saw that with the XFL when it was launched a couple years ago. The Houston team was fantastic, and it just blew the socks off of every other team, not really 
much of competition. But what was also nice about the XFL is, is giving teams or players opportunities to get scouted by or uh, by NFL teams, and a lot of them, or a certain batch of them, actually were given. Uh, jobs on NFL rosters, so that was also a nice little bit of it as well. But I've also missed football for a while, so I might be a little biased. I'm I'm all for spring football uh, yeah. in any way that comes out. But I'm ex- it's just like this league has a lot of drama around it. I don't know why the original USFL cares. Um, maybe they just want some money out of the whole thing. But when they want to see their their league started back up again, I think that would be something. Yeah, I don't know. Appreciate. It's interesting. We'll have to see how that works out because. Um, It'd be interesting to have spring football, like you're saying, keep things going almost year-round. So we'll have to see how that goes. Hopefully they don't uh, have to deal with a bunch of stuff that forces them out of business. So we'll have to see what happens. Let's move to uh, the potential trade. So Debo Samuel, you know, the new trend of players deleting everything from their actual team off of their Twitter or whatever, which is interesting. But there's some rumors floating around that he might be heading to the Jets. Is that right? Yeah, I I don't know. I I think the 49ers are going to have to pay him the the big dollars. It's just going to how it's going to work. We talked about this uh, on, on on Saturday. Uh and, and really what we're talking about is the fact that the 49ers need to pay him and there's going to be a little bit of conflict of interest there because of the different um the different price points that he could pay at because is he a wide receiver or running back? That's going to be a different market, different uh price tag. Obviously, he wants to be the highest paid non-quarterback. So basically, he wants to be paid for everything he does wrapped into one, which is fair um, by all stretch of the imagination. But are the Jets going to try to make a move at him? They should because I think the 49ers will also have to entertain the option of getting rid of him to to kind of foster these younger guys and move him to a different team. They saw that with the Tyree Kill trade from the Chiefs. The Chiefs had a benchmark that they were willing to pay. Uh, Tyreek didn't want to have that benchmark. He wanted more money. He wanted like $76 million guaranteed. So he went and was forced his way out of Kansas City, and now is a Miami Dolphins. So will he try to do the similar thing of, okay, this isn't really working out for me. Uh, they're not really wanting to pay the amount of money that I think I'm worth. I'm going to try to take my skills elsewhere because there's a lot of teams around the league, like we talked about, that are willing to pay a lot of money for Debo Samuel. There's also a lot of guys in the draft. So if the Jets can't lock someone up over the next, I think the draft's in like 17 days, something like that, or no, set, no, no, 17 days. Yeah, I'm right. Uh, if they can't figure something out in those kind of in that amount of days, then I think there's some conversations about they'll probably go for a guy in the draft because, like I said, the draft is full of wide receivers. I think this is just trying to get a veteran guy on their roster. They tried Tyree Kill, didn't work out. Now they're trying to try Debo Samuel. They tried DK Metcalf, but apparently he is unavailable until the right offer comes in and. Boom, he becomes available. So if you're the Jets, you're just kind of, you seem a little desperate uh, from the outside looking in. You really want a guy that you're getting circled a lot of trade rumors and all that stuff. So if you're kind of that desperate, I think the 49ers should just test the market, see what they could get for Debo. Now, obviously, they probably won't make a deal until after the draft just in case they want to trade him or or any of that sort of stuff. But ultimately, they're going to have to make the decision of how much money are we willing to spend, how much money are we aren't aren't willing to spend. And they've got a good core of running backs. That's fine. They've got a decent core of wide receivers plus a tight end that could be considered a wide receiver. And so, and then they got Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. So offensively, they'd be fine if they lost a guy like Debo Samuel and went and got a bunch of first-round picks, maybe a second-round pick in exchange for him over the next few years they'd be able to fill in all the gaps that Debo left. And I think for the Jets, or if he went somewhere else, say, 
I don't know. I don't think LA really needs him, but like some other team that needs that last guy to boost himself up, maybe the Denver Broncos, something like that. Maybe that would be something that would they look into. Maybe Kansas City. I don't know. He kind of fits that mold of that crazy offense Andy Reid's brewing down there. So I think there's a plenty of an open market for him. And ultimately, I think I don't know if the 49ers want to pay that much money. I know he does a lot of good for him. I know that he could give him a lot of success in the long run. But especially with how strong this draft class is and how much money he's demanding, he wants more than any other wide receiver. You look at all those contracts. Well, yeah, and all wide receivers are trying to get more and more than each other. This, like, I mean, that's going to eventually have to stop somewhere. Right, that's going to hit a like a, a peak. But yeah. Debo's going to try to force that roof even higher, which yeah. is then going to make it so that when you try to get your next guy, that's going to be even higher and higher and higher. And it's just going to it's just going to balloon. I mean, Patrick Mahomes kind of set that for quarterback. So I mean, Russell Wilson is also going to try to force that and make a bigger issue for himself. Uh, try to get a little more money out of it. So I think right now, I, I just either pay him right this very second. And say, okay, we're going to make this deal done. Wait till after the draft. See what we could get into the draft done. And then we'll look at paying you. Or they're going to be like, we got to get rid of this dude. Because overnight, there could be another wide receiver just out of the blue. Gone. DK Metcalf. Um, AJ Brown, probably not. But uh, Terry McLaurin from uh, Washington, he could be gone. Just guys are just circulating that these guys want a big pa- uh, pile of cash. So they're going to have to be on their, on their feet a little bit about when they're going to pay him and how they're going to pay him and think strategically here, John Lynch needs to, to make sure he doesn't put himself in a very bad situation where he's going to have to pay even more than he has to right now. So I feel like if they're going to do this, it's going to be pretty bang, bang as far as draft happens, then they pay him or draft happened and then they paid or then they traded him to a different team, got draft choices, drafted another guy. So I, I think what's ultimately going to happen due to all of this, all this higher and higher contracts and salaries and deals is a lot more teams are going to get rid of guys earlier in their career than they might want to to get rookie guys to pay rookie deals and just cycle like that because you're paying a lot less for them yeah and, and then in the, build. the 49ers case now that there's a pretty good draft class of wide receivers exactly. so why would they pay that much and they can get a rookie guy and raise him up to be a good wide receiver for them everyone would give multiple first round picks second round picks third round picks for Debo Samuel and over multiple years and maybe you can get even a couple from this year so why would you wait and 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 just risk it because Debo Samuel's skills are good, but after a while, he's going to get shut down at some point. That's just too much money. Stops. Right. His production, some like at some point, the amount of money you're paying and the production of the player, usually, especially with these like players that are considered multifaceted, their budget sometimes tr- uh, trumps their what they're actually able to do on the football field. And then what you end up getting is you're like, oh, now I'm regretting the fact that I'm paying all this money to guys and they're not producing. The extreme case is what happens in, in the NBA where I, I saw something today that like the Lakers are now just now finishing paying a guy that hasn't been playing or something like that. Like, right, I've yeah. seen situations where people are getting paid way after they retired millions of dollars, and that's the extreme case of what could happen. So I just think personally, Debo Samuel's good, and he'll be great anywhere he plays, but especially at this position, at this time, how much money he's demanding and wanting, Moving on to a rookie guy is just the most logical next step for your team. Yep, that's that's what that's what I think about that too. Uh, so let's move to the NBA. You just said uh, the Lakers, and it looks like the Lakers have fired Frank Vogel as their head coach. Uh, who do you see becoming their replacement? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think 
it's going to depend because I think a lot of assistant head coaches will be kind of in conversation for this, maybe even some guys have on the roster. But I think Doc Rivers could be an interesting option. He's been in the move for the last couple of years. Um, he went for the Clippers to the 76ers, obviously. And then I think he can make that jump because, obviously, like we mentioned, someone within the 76ers organization is unhappy with his rotations um, and could force him out. So if he's forced out, I think that like, would make a logical sense of the next step. I think it's going to be a long road to have success depending on what this team looks like uh, after the year is accomplished and finished. Uh, obviously, there was <laughs> something going on. A little bit of, I think, a little too much blame is being laid on the head coach. I think it's a lot to do with the entire team and yeah. what's happening between the big three. That also deserves a little bit of the blame for. Obviously, you can't blame all star players; otherwise, they're going to force their way out of the organization. You yeah. don't want that. So, just blame everything on the uh, on the coach, the scapegoat. So, I, I think that's probably what happened here. Personally, I think Frank Vogel would probably have to start from an assistant guy and then work his way back up to a head coach. I don't think many teams will take the risk initially unless they're in desperate need of a head coach. Um, there's a lot of around the NBA in particular. Teams are getting new head coaches over the last few seasons. Portland, the Celtics are just getting new guys. Um, so I, I believe there's going to be some movement going on. I mean, that's just how coaching works. Guys come in, they get cycled out. Teams, for whatever reason, throughout sports, hate to stick with a guy for longer than uh, a few seasons. If they don't produce what they want to produce, you're gone. Next guy, next guy. It's next guy up mentality, unless you are a superstar player like LeBron James, and you will be forgiven for most faults, and <laughs> someone yeah. else will take the blame for it. So, honestly, I think that's this is a situation where they needed to find someone to blame for the losses. And they found it, and they just we knew this was going to happen for a little while. The question is obviously, the t- coach that's probably going to replace him is going to come from this batch of playoff and play in teams. So it's going to be a while before we find an actual replacement. But in all likelihood, I think Doc Rivers will be in, in a lot of rumors and pretty high on that on that list. All right. Uh, let's look at we've got the playing tournament coming up very soon. Tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Let's talk about what's like the one game that you're looking at right now, the game that's on your radar for this play-in tournament. Well, I think out of those two games, the probably more interesting one. And I don't know if you can do that because when you look at both of these games, and it's the Cavaliers and Nets, and it's the uh, Clippers and the Timberwolves. And when I look at them, I spent most of the day just kind of brewing on who's going to win, who's not going to win, watching games, watching as many as I could, trying not to watch the most recent ones because – the other team's not playing any of their starters. They're playing all their starters, and they're just thrashing them because of that, because they're already in the playoffs, all that stuff. So when you go back, I think when you look at it, and I, I think the two predictions I have, I'll tell you in a minute because I want to go into the games a little bit. And I think with the, with the Nets and Cavaliers game, if you're the Nets, the really the three guys you have to worry about are Garland, Kevin Love, and Mowgli. Those are the guys you kind of have to worry about the most. And the guys that will probably wreck you the most and have and make the Cavaliers catch on fire the fastest. So if you can stop those guys, kind of keep them uh, cold from the three throw, free free throw and three point range, then you're gonna have success winning this basketball game because those are the guys in the game of the Nets, the uh, Cavaliers won, and in the game. Um, that and then in the few other games that I've seen throughout the season, those are the guys kind of get things started and things brewing for them. So if you're the if you're the Nets, you gotta have to stop those guys first and initially, and that will stop this Clippers or not the Clippers, but this Cavaliers team from getting success. If you're the Nets, though, I mean the one area that I saw consistently in the last few games that I watched for them 
is this inability to continue to make shots, and they fell into these little holes where they were going on three minutes, four minutes of no buckets, and then the other team was clawing back into the game, and they got within one or two points, and then they had to climb out of that, get hot, and then get things going. And a lot of that, a lot of those times when they climbed out of it, that was a lot to do with their centers, um, Drummond and Claxton. And then also Bruce Brown did a really good job of kind of helping this team jumpstart. And Kevin Durant obviously is a big part of those getting over those holes as well because he's a type of guy that could be a tone setter for a game and how it's going to go. So when you look at that game, personally, I don't know if there's a way that the Cavaliers can win it. Um, so I think the Nets are probably going to pull that one out. And then for the other side, you got the Clippers and the and the Timberwolves. And and when I looked at these two games, and these were more of the more recent ones, what I was re- re- realizing from the Clippers is the Clippers are a really good three-point team. They're really good, pretty decent on defense, and they're really good at making the correct passes and making passes that don't seem possible. The problem is sometimes they throw passes in areas that you probably shouldn't, and you're kind of flirting with danger a little bit there. And when you're playing a team like the Timberwolves, the Timberwolves are really good at taking those mistakes and getting turnovers from it, and then you have to worry about Beverly and and Cat and uh, and these guys, Edwards, making plays on the opposite side, on the offensive side of the board, and making plays and getting buckets and hitting those three-pointers and getting those hard uh, hard defensive plays. So, and obviously, they don't have to worry about the transition defense as much as the Nets do, and the Nets, do, so that's one of the areas that Nets needs to fix is the transition defense because if they get behind, they're going to really struggle because they can't really <laughs> guard the transition. But for the Clippers team, like I mentioned, they're really good from the three-point range, and I believe if they could hit the three-point range, they could have more success. Just pass the ball around, get hot from the perimeter, and then start tra- uh, t- attacking in the paint because that's when you have the most success and the less opportunities for steals. And also make sure the pass is a reliable pass because these guys are really good at pickpocketing and and just tipping the ball up and getting out of bounds and you know swatting the ball away and all that stuff. So they got to be careful with that. But I believe when I watched them, I was seeing an energy in the Clippers that I don't see in the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves, they just kind of seem like they're going along kind of rhythmically and kind of going there, starting and stopping, getting things done, and then kind of falling back a little bit and then going again. With the Clippers, it's like bang, 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 bang. They're like going, going, going. Everyone's shooting. Everyone's shooting. Everyone's missing it, and then they're getting it, and then they're trying to steal, and they're working on the offensive side and the defensive side and getting things going. It just feels like they have this sense of energy to them. And I remember feeling the same way last year when they got into the – I believe they went in the playing tournament last year. I could be wrong, but I believe. And then they got into the playoffs and then just tore. So I believe they could do a similar thing here because I think they just have an energy energy level that's just not matched by this other team and I believe if I'm not mistaken these are the two teams that are playing are, are, are the top two teams as far as as far as the playing tournament goes so that means let's see yeah so the the loser still has another opportunity to play so even if the Timberwolves or the uh, or the Clippers or the Nets and the Cavaliers whoever loses still has an opportunity to play and make it in so ultimately I think like I said I think the Nets are going to win I think they're going to win handily but I also believe that the Clippers are going to win because I just feel like, yes, I think this game's going to be a lot closer because of the steals and their ability on the offensive side of the board if you're the Timberwolves. But I also believe in their uh, this this Clippers team's ability with Paul George on the court and a healthy Covington and a healthy Powell and, and a healthy Terrence Mann and a healthy, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on his name, but this team when they're when they're all playing, oh, Jackson, when, when all those guys are playing at an extreme level and a good level, they can make plays that are hard to guard because they're, they're, they're throwing the ball 
and using the bait, but they're throwing it high off the glass, so it's kind of hard to block it, or they're hitting the three, and they're doing it consistently, or they're making steals, or making assists. So even if you're playing really good defensively, for the Timberwolves, I just don't see how you're going to be able to guard the three-pointer, and that's something that the Spurs did a decent job of when they were doing it while they were climbing into the game, but they weren't really able to hit the shots that the Clippers were able to make. So when you look at these two games, personally, I see that it's going to be a Nets win, and I also see it being a Clippers win. And then after that, I think it's just for especially for for this the Minnesota team, they got to either play the Spurs or the Pelicans, and we'll talk about that game uh, next on on Wednesday. But I feel like they got a pretty good shot of winning that as well. And I'll look at all that game footage and everything and break that down for you guys then. But personally, that's what I see winning happening tomorrow, and I can't wait for it. Yeah, I'm excited. We'll have to be watching those games, and I think like I agree with your predictions on that. We'll have to see how that shakes up or shakes down and uh, talk about that on Wednesday. All right, that is all we've got for this episode. And like I said, we'll be coming back on Wednesday to cover some of those games and some more news that comes up. Uh, Always fun. Yeah. Thanks for jumping on. Absolutely. We'll talk to you all on Wednesday. See ya. God bless.